Thanks for tuning in to this presentation of The Path Forward. This is Daniel Workman. I am joined by Chris Kessel of West Virginia Soccer Association. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great this evening. Thanks for having me. So we are going to talk through and look at the path forward for U.S. soccer. Now, one of the key things about having this system and, you know, the U.S. Association of Soccer Leagues is you really got to have, you know, a few basic uh, agreements uh, in place to be in in a national league system like this. In order to connect leagues horizontally as well as vertically, you're going to have to have some minimum uh, rules that you that you agree to and that and that's really the glue that holds this whole thing together so for example uh, fall to spring because uh, everyone's gonna have to be on the same calendar that would that would be essential a minimum number of uh, league fixtures per year um, would be uh, essential as well and in, in, and when you start to look at that you, you really you know the NPSL in its classic form has um, a choice. They have a decision to make. Do they, do they continue to try to do what they've been doing for the last, you know, 10 years and operate as a summer league, short season, primarily some college players, or do they finally and fully embrace being a league system in an open system because if they do, they're going to have to make a few changes. Um, for example, the NPSL as it's currently constructed is a nonprofit league and it's, it's got its 13 conferences and, and every member has a vote and it really almost functions as both a, a, a league and an association. And so what the NPSL really needs to do is have this, this NPSL pro needs to be a separate entity, a for-profit entity where every club owns an equal share in the league. And then the NPSL in its classic form needs to create the same type of uh, structure for its leagues that are in, in the, the, you know, 13 conference classic version and that way, those shares could be exchanged once promotion and relegation was a reality. So, you know, a, a stockade up in Kingston, New York, for example, would, you know, have a, an equal share in their uh, league. And when it came time for promotion and relegation, let's say they win, when they go up to tier three, into an eight region D3 level, they are exchanging their share of that league with a club that is being relegated back down. And, you know, having, having the NPSL kind of morph into an, an association as it's currently constructed on the nonprofit side would allow them to manage this collection of for-profit leagues where the league members, these clubs would have equal shares in their league. And that also begins to play out in terms of this entire collection of clubs 
from tier one all the way down to tier five and, and, and possibly even deeper into tier six and tier seven, having opportunities from a commercial standpoint, whether that becomes TV revenue, whether that becomes um, other commercial sponsorship revenue and having those equal shares begins to set up, you know, payouts for that as well as where you finish in your league. And, and so all of those elements start to work together. And that's what we see around the world that, that these clubs, when they are in a league, they are exchanging shares they are moving up and down and you have, you know, an MOU and a memorandum of understanding between leagues. And, and so when a club comes up or a club goes down, it's not a, a, a crazy um, dramatic process. Everyone knows what's going on. And so, you know, a, a promoted club is paired with a relegated club. They exchange their shares. And then the next year they are playing in, in their respective leagues as, you know, they've earned on the field. And so when you have this setup and you're looking at, you know, being a club in West Virginia – and you are registering, whether you are in the national D1 or you're all the way down in your local league, you're registering through your state association, you're local, you've worked your way up into the state league, now you've won your state league, now you're being promoted up into this, you know, 32 region D5, division five, tier five league. What does that begin to do to the community? Um, what, would you, what would you expect from a passion level, from a commitment level, from a, a local news coverage level. So that's actually the the last thing is something that I've actually talked to people about. Um, uh, I'm friends with a uh, the the former editor of the uh, the local newspaper here. It's the largest newspaper in the state, and um, you know it's it's got a sizable readership and. Um, he told me that if a system like this existed and a club here in Charleston or anywhere around here, I mean, obviously there'd be a league, you know, the, a league that would be participating. We'd obviously, we, our local league would be a part of the state league, whatever, but it would have a dedicated writer. And if a club got promoted into the regional leagues and as it was going up the pyramid, it would get the kind of coverage that a professional team would deserve. It would get the kind of coverage that West Virginia University football and basketball get, Marshall University football and basketball get, because, you know, it would be newsworthy is basically exactly how he put it. And currently, you know, we have a local PDL team and they don't really get coverage because – what the PDL is, is not really newsworthy. It's a summer league. It's something that, you know, doesn't generate any kind of storylines. You know, obviously, if that team's doing well and they make, because a few years ago, they made the, uh, you know, the playoffs and they made it to the Final Four and whatever. And they got a lot of stories wrote about it because that's, it was important. But the storylines that exist for fighting for promotion or fighting off relegation and participating in a national system, you know, 
those things are the kind of things that people want to read about. And if people want to read about them, the newspaper and the news want to cover them because ratings and readership are generated and they're able to sell advertising. I mean, it, the ecosystem of what gets covered is, is because, you know, the storylines and, and what uh, generates readership so that they can sell advertising. And he was, he was 100% sure that this system would generate massive local coverage for a club here in my community. And I have a feeling that it would do that in all communities of this size and smaller all across the country. Because just like we've talked about, these communities, you know, the Youngstown, Ohio's and the Zanesville's and the Toledo's, they don't have professional sports. So this access to the pyramid would be the biggest story in town, you know? And I, I think that's something that people don't really think about is, is they go, Oh, well, you know, soccer isn't getting covered, you know, as often as we won in the New York times or on ESPN. Well, if we were getting covered, you know, by news, by sports department, you know, sports sections in newspapers and on the local news all across the country, this pyramid would generate, you know, by a magnitude of what, three, five, 10, 50 times the, uh, the coverage that we're currently getting with the closed pyramid.